We're working on updating one of our code bases to Jovo version 2, and Samir ran in, well, we ran into an issue where we weren't able to connect to our Firebase database because in Jovo v2, it handles asynchronous function calls a little bit differently than Jovo v1 did. Luckily, Samir is a man who's able to sit down, examine a problem, and figure it out, and now he's got launch working with Firebase on Jovo v2. I don't know how he figured it out, but we were all freaking impressed when it happened. Samir, what, what did you have to do to get Firebase working with our Jovo v2 code? All right, so the first thing I did was I messaged Jan, the founder of Jovo, um, to see if he can like, help us figure out the problem. And he said, it looks like it has an issue with async. So he provided me with a solution that didn't work, but it put me on the right path to trying to figure out what the right solution was. So then I looked up uh, what, um, how async calls work. And they said the beauty of using async and await is that you don't have to use dot den statements. So once I read that, I got rid of the dot den statements and just used async launch and then and await with the response because it handles the, the waiting portion that dot den does. Mm. And that fixed the issue. Do you know if the await and async, are those Jovo calls or are those Node.js JavaScript calls? I think they're just the JavaScript calls hmm. that um, Jovo is using now because it gets rid of a lot of the unnecessary coding with .den statements. Mm -hmm. So you, like, if you look at the code now, I literally erased almost three lines of code, which is using async and await. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see one, one async, which is right before you define the launch function. And then you have one await where we get the response back from Firebase, one await where we send them to another intent. No, three of them awaits where we send them to another intent. Okay, so now that we've got that working, what is the next uh, thing that we need to fix for Firebase? So the next thing is uh, when we are sending out a confirmation text, it's supposed to tell the user that, okay, uh, we got your order and here's a tip. Okay, that's what it's not doing right now. And I imagine it's the same thing with async and await calls. So that's what we're going to try and figure out now so that when a customer reaches the end conversation, it actually gets a response rather than just ending abruptly as it does right now. Do you have any idea if the await and async calls are different from promise from promises? Like, is, is this a different way to define promises? Or is this not related to promises in any way? Um. You can use it as a new way to define promises. I don't know much yet. I'm still reading up on it. Like I'm brand new to async and await. Mm -hmm. um, but I, from what I read, it you can either replace promise dot den with await async, or you can use it in conjunction with both. Promises have always seemed really confusing to me. Yeah. Like trying to define this problem, because on in our code right now, in the section that you're about to update, we've got a promise dot all, and then we have some asynchronous calls. What we have one asynchronous call to query Firebase, one to store in Firebase, and one to send a text met, I think. Yeah. Three, three different things that happen yeah. that all need to make external calls that are asynchronous. So we're going through and we, we create like this array of promises of a customer text, a client mm -hmm. text, and a Firebase fetch. Mm -hmm. So if we could replace those, the async and await looks a lot easier to understand. It's like, okay, this is an asynchronous call, and then I want you to await this thing. It seems very yeah. simple to define. Exactly. Um, so, 
any any idea what we'll need to change to make the end with the text and the Firebase calls work? Like, for um, right off the bat, what do you think the next thing is that you need to change to? I think getting rid of dot then statements would be the thing that needs to work because even when I was writing test cases to figure the launch portion out, um, I had to get rid of a lot of the then statements in order to get it to work. If you take a look at the, I believe it was the launch test, see how it's just simple now? And I'm, I'm going before I had a lot of dot then statements to mm -hmm. um, get this to work. And I wasn't, wasn't working at all. And now I just got rid of dot then statements and just made it plain and simple and this portion works. Okay. Okay. So you've been playing with Jova V2 for a while now. Um, do, you, do you think other people, I've, I've been talking to a lot of people who are still using Jova V1. Do you think Jova V2 is in a state when people can start to update their apps to Jova V2? Or do you think that there's still a lot of bugs that companies who have production apps, they, they shouldn't move it because stuff's going to break? Like, where do you think Jova V2 is at in terms of readiness to be adopted by the whole Jova community? I think that it still needs to... I think you have to play around with it and test it out and see, depending on the complexity of your app, production app, you might not want to move right ahead because they're still working out things. They're still implementing new things like the Firestore with integration, which they haven't done yet. And so while it's, it really does make the code simpler and smaller, um, if your production app is very complex, you might want to hold off on switching to the new version. However, if it's small and you're just starting out, you might want to move to version two so that you can learn as it goes along and it won't be such a hurdle to implement it later on. If you're building a new app, build with Jova V2. If you have an existing app that's in production, maybe hold off on converting. But Jova's improving and we're figuring it out and we're going to keep reporting all the things we learn on the podcast.